0: Life is like a race. In fact, it's not just any race. You can have a short-term race called a sprint. You can have a mid-term race called, uh, well, say the 220, the 440, 880, and those kinds of races. Or you can have a long-run race, maybe the mile, maybe 5K. But how about a real long race, like a marathon But then again, maybe that really isn't the longest race that we have to run. Maybe it's an ultra-marathon. Maybe life is more like an ultra-marathon. In other words, it's almost as if the race just continues on until God says, enough. In fact, in some respects, you could say that running is like always and intensely pressing for the gold standard. But the gold standard is the God standard, and how do we know when we've reached that point? Another person says that we're supposed to live by faith, but a pastor once said that faith is a long obedience in the same direction. Could it be that that long obedience is analogous to an ultra-marathon race? Maybe this is a good time to talk about that in the context of the Olympics just as the Olympics are getting ready to deal with track and field, running the race. And so today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking about that. In fact, we have a very special guest who is an ultra-marathoner, an ultra-marathoner who is going to be sharing some of his insights uh, with us here to help us to get down to the nitty-gritty of what it means to really run the race. So I welcome you to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. It's conversation is always with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. And I trust that today's conversation will be transforming to you, even though you may not see yourself as a runner. You see, in one respect, every one of us, if we're following Christ, is a runner. We're supposed to follow Him. And we're supposed to continue to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith laying aside every sin and all of the baggage, the weights that so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance. So many Christians today are seeming not able to run with endurance or with patience, and they're giving up. They're falling away, just as the Apostle Paul said they would do just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And I know that you don't want to be one of them. You do not want to fall away. Or, as Winston Churchill said, never give up. There's never a time to give up. You might fall down, but you get up and you get back in the race. Well, our special guest today uh, is Greg Brooks. He is uh, the ultra marathoner. In fact, uh, I have completed the reading of his book called Brooks' Memoir Brooks Running, and indeed, his life was given to running but for a while he was running from God rather than running toward God like so many people out there and got caught up back in the the culture of the 1960s and drugs and and uh, some of the other things and then his life changed and he found himself running not running from God but running toward God and engaged in ultimately the greatest race of life, race of life, the ultra-marathon. So, uh, Greg, it's good to have you on the program.
1: Good to be here. Glad where where, you. where do we find you today? Uh, you find me sitting in my office, um, looking out the window in, in upstate New York in Rochester, New York.
0: Well, Rochester, New York was a very famous place. In fact, I wrote about it in my book, Renewing the Soul of America. A fellow by the name of Charles Finney uh, God jerked his chain out of the practice of law back in the 1800s and said, now I want you to plead my cause of the land. And uh, he did, but unfortunately when they called him to go to Rochester, he said, no way, no how, that place is the wild, wild west. They're not going to hear the gospel there. And he refused to go until after six months got, got a hold of him, and he finally went and turned Rochester right side up. It's an amazing story, isn't it? That's correct. Yes it is. That's correct.
1: You're familiar with that here. story? I am. I am. Yeah, we we uh we talk about the, the history of Rochester and the spiritual history of, of God and, and and relative to the churches here in, in town, especially the believer the churches that are believing churches.
0: Well it's we interesting that the that. very church that uh uh Charles Finney went to It was a Presbyterian church there, the very one that spawned the Great Revival in Rochester that spread throughout the East Coast, actually has become one of the foremost uh, bastions of homosexuality. Are you aware of that? Mm, No, I'm not surprised, though. It's one of the saddest uh, records uh, in American history, but God is Mm -hmm. still God, and he's still calling you and I to run the race that is set before us. Yes, sir. And... uh, Last week, we did a program uh, dealing with a fellow by the name of Eric Little. Does that name ring a bell for you? No, sir. Nope. Well, Eric Little was the key uh, in the famous movie that came out in 1981 called Chariots of Fire. Yes. Chariots of Fire. Oh, You've heard oh, that, haven't I know. you?
1: Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, know. I know. Now you, you, you're tweaking my mind a little bit. With yeah, Eric absolutely. Little, the Olympic miler, the... Olympic Miller, the
0: Yeah, and actually he ended up winning the 400, uh, which was not his race, and he wouldn't run on the Sabbath. And so ultimately he was given the opportunity to run. He ran the 400, won, and just blew the entire stadium out of its mind uh, as he ran that race with vigor. And he said, God made me fast, and when I run, I feel his pleasure. Have you ever felt that
1: way? I do. Yes, I have. Yes, indeed, and um not so much the the longer distance race, well, yes, I guess I could say that even in the longer distance races, but uh, when i was when I was running the distances like five k's and ten ks which are a much faster pace race that you ran mm-hmm. um, when i when I finished my first and and crossed the finish line on the very first race I won, I felt that I felt that that desire that 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 Pleasing of God, I really did.
0: And yet, somehow, you moved from races like five k and ten k and marathons to ultra marathons. What in the yeah. world would cause you to do a silly thing like that?
1: Oh, I don't know. It. Well, you know, you, you you follow different people that that are influential in the in the in the community. That uh, we have quite a quite a really uh, big running community here in rochester and there are a lot of pretty pretty famous runners that have come out of out of our area here so we have a strong a strong culture of running here in, in the rochester track club of which i belong we had a, a few guys that were running these um, not just marathons but running the ultra marathons and I, it c- kind of piqued my interest after i started running marathons what about these ultras what how do, they, how do you do that
0: well, we want to get into that after this break. Uh, stay yeah. tuned, friends. Okay. Brooks running. Uh, Greg Brooks, an ultra-marathoner, has run more ultra-marathons than you can possibly shake a stick at. $18 will put his amazing book in your hand. It's on our website, saveus.org. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Meyer. Today, we're learning how to run and not be weary, to walk and not faint, for they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I have a question for you, my friends out there. Are you waiting upon the Lord? Are you resting in Him? Are you trusting in Him? Have you built His Word into your life so that no matter what happens, no matter what the circumstances, no whether No matter whether the weather gets hot and you struggle with the changing climate, you're still pressing on. You're not allowing yourself to be deterred by COVID, by climate change, by any of the things that come upon us without our control. Running and not be weary. Today, I trust that you will be encouraged as we continue our conversation with uh, Greg Brooks uh, and his book, Brooks Running. Uh, it is his life memoir concerning how he moved from, uh, well, not growing up in a Christian home, actually, then ending up in drugs and so on in the 1960s in that culture, and then becoming a born again believer. In 1976 B.C., yes, you heard it correctly, 1976 B.C., B.C. standing for Before Christ. In 1976, our bicentennial year, our special guest came to the Lord. He threw away all of his cigarettes. He didn't continue with his alcohol, and he became a runner. Tell us a little about that story in a nutshell.
1: Oh boy in a nutshell well the uh,
0: well let's crack the nut open first so you can get the story out
1: <laughs> well look, all right so i hope i hope I'm clear in, in communicating this but uh i i had been a runner in high school um in college i mm-hmm. was a good i was a good runner in high school and college, and when I got to college it was it was in the you know in the, the mid sixties and mm-hmm. uh joined a fraternity. And of course, you know what happens when you join a fraternity and you have a drinking. Uh
0: But you were, you were in college the same time, uh, high school and college, the same time that another famous runner was making his mark, a guy by the name of Jim Ryan.
1: Yes. Do you know that Jim
0: Ryan appeared on this program last year? No, I do not. Yeah. From Wichita, Kansas, he appeared on this program. He became a born again believer and uh, was deemed to be the fastest human being alive for many
1: years. Right. Yeah, I aspired to be like, like Jim Ryan. Mm. <laughs> but so, I didn't know that he, that he, he was a born-again Christian, no, though. It, That's interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, he is now. He wasn't then.
1: Okay. All right. At age 16, he was not, just like you were not. Right. So I, you know, once once I I. I once I, I started drinking and, and falling, falling away from my, my college uh, responsibilities, mm-hmm. I, I got asked to leave college
3: Ooh, and
1: I, I didn't, I did not um, have any desire to return to college in Missouri, Missouri. I was a small college in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point, when I got, when I got home from the, from college within a matter of weeks, I got my draft notice in the mail. Mm. And then so they they the government said we want we want you um on the front lines. And it was mm. during the Vietnam era.
3: Mm-hmm. Everybody
1: was going over to Nam in, in those days. Right. I was not a I was not a um I did not believe in the war at that point. I mm-hmm. was not I was more of a pacifist. And I said, "You know, I'm not, I'm not going to go.
3: I'm,
1: I'm going to go to Canada. I'm not, I'm going to I'm going to skip out of this Mm. And then the more I thought about it, I said, you know, I'm, I'm tough. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let, I'm not going to let that deter me from, from serving. But if I get orders to go to Vietnam, I'm not going to go. You know, it was, it was God's provision that I got orders to go someplace else other than, than Vietnam. Mm. And I went, I went to serve in Korea on the DMZ up in Korea, did my time over there. When I got back out of the army, I was, I was, pretty much of a, pretty much of a mess, alcohol, and, and, and living, living the high life. And uh, uh, during that time, Don and I were both, were both, uh, believe, uh, both hippies, born-again hippies. I mean, now we're, we we turned into born-again hippies, but mm-hmm. we were hippies, living the hippie lifestyle. And um, my brother, who was, who was a, a, a rock star and lived in Hollywood and Traveled around with Sly and a family stone, and and you know did, did all of the things that rock stars do, and traveled all over the world. He came home to Rochester and became a born again believer. Mm. He says, "Oh, you got to, you got to, you got to know Jesus. You got to, you got to go to church. You got to read this book and read the Bible." And I'm like, "No, I don't want anything to do with that. He had no no desire at all to, to be to follow that that route. He said, um, "Come on, let's let's you know because this guy I used to do drugs with you know, mm-hmm. you know I couldn't I couldn't understand why he would why it would go that route at all, but he gave me a book because I like I liked to read. He mm-hmm. gave me a book called *Mere Christianity*. Oh, by C.S. Lewis. Lewis. So when C.S. Lewis spoke those those words about Christianity and and all about the the um, the a believer's life. I, I, it just, the whole world opened up to me mentally. Mm. I said, wow, this is, this is really good stuff. I said, I, I you know, it was like a light went off, boom. Mm-hmm. And I started, I started to, to uh, get interested in this whole Christianity stuff. And so I started reading the Bible and I was, read the book of John. and I'm like, oh man, this is, this is great stuff. Then he invited me to come to church with him. It was a a non denominational uh, Pentecostal type church mm-hmm. that, that we have here in Rochester, and uh, real Finney type church. You know we we uh, you know that that believed in the gifts of the Spirit and right. the speaking in tongues and all. You know so we we at that point, my wife and I got out of our seat and walked down to the altar and gave our hearts to the Lord and we became born again Christians. Mm. We, turned, we threw all that stuff away. We turned our back on the on the on the dark side and walked in the light, and that that was the best thing that ever happened in, in our lives.
0: All right. So, how did that fit into uh, running?
1: Did that running. catapult it your runs, uh, life
0: it, more into running?
1: I think what I what I, what I discovered is after I, I I felt like I had cleaned my my life up mm-hmm. physically. And then, and, and mentally, I wanted to, I wanted to to take the next step, um, to, you know, or or I'm, let me step the step, steps. They say that differently. I I got clean spiritually, mm-hmm. and I wanted to start cleaning myself up in my body too. And mm-hmm. I said, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to start running again because I had run been running, in college and high school, but it 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 left my life, and so I said I want to bring that back. So I started running. And uh, I, I liked it. I really did, and I did well. Um, but I felt like I was back back in the game again. Well, so that's, that's, that's a that's,
0: very good feeling to feel like you're back in the game again. Uh, right. There are a number of sports figures who have uh, had that kind of uh, trajectory, come to the Lord and clean things up, and then they went back into that which they loved in right. terms of uh, sports. But you looked up to some guys like Jesse Owens. Uh, what an incredible athlete uh, he was. Did you know that Jesse Owens was a born-again Christian? I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Yeah. No, I did not know that. What a, what a model he was. What a model uh, for the the world and the African-American community that Jesse Owens was. And interestingly, uh, the Democratic Party, the Democrat Party in America resisted him and the Democrat president didn't want him to be in the Olympics. Did you know that? Why does that not surprise me? <laughs> <laughs> but that—that that is I'm sorry, history. I'm sorry. Then I'm there was sorry. a fellow by the name of Roger Bannister. I remember him. He mm-hmm. broke the four-letter, yep. the four-minute mile. Four-minute four mile. Yep. What What an amazing uh, stand that was! And of course, when Jim Ryan came along at the age six, six, sixteen, right. he broke Roger Bannister's record and remained at the
1: top of the heat for many, many years. Right. Wonderful. You know, I I think I read books about Roger Bannister when I was growing up in the in the high school era, you know.
0: But there was somebody so, else that really stood out to you. Giannis Kourous. Uh you yes, said he was sir. a huge icon of yours. So tell us about him because that really catapulted you uh, he, into the
1: distance races.
0: He is a
1: he is probably one of the most famous uh and best ultra marathon runners in the world right now i I say even right now because i'm not sure how old he is now but he this guy could run run for for miles and miles and miles and and he was winning races 100 miles thousand mile races you know he he could run uh he had an incredible uh, ability to, to to go the distance Talking about running and not being weary, and, and isn't isn't yeah.
0: that exactly what God calls us to do—to
1: go the distance? Yeah.
0: yeah,
3: right. Why do you it's think uh, so
0: many people are giving up their faith? Why do you think so many professing Christians are just uh, kind of laying down and calling it quits, saying it's too too hard, too just dis- too difficult?
1: Well, I, I I think we have become too weak in our in our in our souls, you know, to you know that that we they were tired of of uh, the hum humdrum, and we want everything right now and right now, and they're not mm. they're not willing to, to put the work in to get something done that they that they need to do. And well, I'll tell you, if you're
0: it. going to be an Olympic athlete, you're going to put in some work, a minimum <laughs> yep. of four years, and maybe eight to twelve years. Uh, right. You're going to put in the work, and then all of a sudden, in a period of a few hours, all that work is going to be manifested for good or for right. ill. Correct. and it's and going I, to be the same way with us as Christians, I think, on Judgment Day.
1: Right, exactly. You're exactly true, and I think people are said, "Okay, I'm, I'm tired of the, of the, of the, uh, the, the conflict that happens right now with, with, with between the good, the good and the evil, and they, mm-hmm. they'd rather take the good and that, or the evil and not the good."
0: So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this fellow Coros mm-hmm. in 1984 set a record that. You say, caught the breath of every person who heard about it. He ran a 153-mile uh, Spartathon uh, yeah. in 20 hours, 25 minutes, and zero seconds. No one even right. close to him. And uh, some people just, God has gifted them with cardiovascular systems and muscular systems right. yeah. that enable them to do something that nobody else is able to do. Right. I agree. He must have given you some of that ability too, or you well, would have never been able to run ultra marathons. He he,
1: he wasn't he wasn't a hero of mine when I started because I probably never even heard of him when I started running ultra marathons. Mm-hmm. But only only later did I did I realize what a what a, a, a superhuman he was. Especially when I was doing you know setting going out trying to set records myself. Uh, when I when I started running marathons. Uh, my my goal was to run Boston, and uh, I, I so I so I trained hard to to get to get to that goal. Mm-hmm. And once I once I qualified for Boston, and then and then ran Boston, I loved I loved the Boston race. It was probably my most most favorite and the most rate the most race the most of any races that I've run. I've run Boston twenty times. That's twenty six so, miles, isn't it? yes yes it is and, and you've run that different, 20 different, different times 20 20 different different years i've run that
0: yep that's amazing just amazing no wonder uh the book's titled brooks running uh you've been there you've been running uh, most of your life uh at first running from god and then once you came to christ uh your entire running life uh, was a demonstration of uh, really what God calls us to do in running the race of life wasn 't it
1: right i you know i just I used to thank God often because he gave me back something that was lost that I love to do and and that would be running and and he He gave me the 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 ability to go to to go the distance to run to run uh twenty six miles to run thirty two miles 50K to run 100 miles and i did set a record on the track um here in town for my age group mm-hmm. a national age group record for running around a track 100 miles
3: wow 100 about, miles talk
1: around boring. a track talk about talk about boring huh
0: oh my goodness i can't even it's, imagine it
1: 400 it's 425 laps but you know what you know yourself if you're a runner that that it's as much mental as it is physical. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a game. It's not a game. It's, it's something that you have to overcome. You have to overcome the mind to be able to put yourself into that. Absolutely. Too.
0: We want to pick that, up on that, that after the mm-hmm. break because that's going to be okay. so important, I think, of encouragement to so many people. Stay All tuned, right. friends. Yep. The book, Brooks Running, $18. We'll put this exciting book in your hand. It's on our website, saveus.org.
2: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
0: It's great to have you back on Viewpoint, my friends, as we talk today about this race of life that God calls us to run. We have a special guest joining us here, Greg Brooks, with his book, Brooks Running. It's a memoir of his uh, national record-winning ultra marathon uh, experiences. And uh, he has so much uh, to share, so much to share through his book. Uh, When we uh, finish up the program in the last segment, we'll be talking about the greatest race that he ever ran and uh, why it was so radically different than every other race. And uh, the reality is, friends, that you and I are called to run a very great race. Uh, We're called to run the race that is set before us. In other words, God himself has set a race before you. Now, I have to testify that I was never a distance runner. Uh, My physical body nor my cardiovascular system were not designed to run distance runs, Uh, designed more for running sprints. And I remember one time, uh, Greg, when I was running in junior high school, uh, one of the sprints, and all of a sudden, I was jerked off the track like straight up, and the pain just seared through my uh, my leg. What I realized is I had torn my hamstring. Mm-hmm. I could hardly yep. move; the pain was so been intense. There done that? Yep. And you've been there, done that. Yep. What was that yep. experience like?
1: Oh well, I was I was running a marathon um, in New York State. Uh, in in the finger lakes region mm-hmm. and it was a uh, it was called the wine glass marathon and i i was i was in prime prime condition i was ready to 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 run my fastest mm-hmm. marathon at that point i think i had run uh, a marathon two hours forty minutes now that that isn't you know by today's standards it's it's like not not very fast but in those days, um, that was a qualifier, definitely a qualifier for Boston. And I wanted, to, I wanted to get a had a have a better time for, for qualifying. So mm-hmm. I, I knew I was in shape. I knew I was on target to run this, run this sub two forty. I was coming up this long, two mile hill from the start to the uh, about the only oh, you know, a fifteen, ten fifteen mile point of the race. And then the race started to level off and run down through a, like a, a river valley mm. and it was, it was flat and fast. Once I got to the top of this long hill, I started to pick my pace up a little bit and it felt like somebody snapped a rubber band on the back of my, on the back of my, 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 my leg, mm. and I snapped my hamstring muscle. That was extremely mm. painful and I couldn't even, I couldn't even stand. Well, you snapped well, your it.
0: hamstring. I snapped my quad. Mm-hmm. Mm. Hamstring
1: it, is yeah. It's it's a, it's a
0: terrifying experience, and yeah. uh, it takes a while to heal, doesn't it?
1: It does. And luckily, my body was at that point in my life. I was I was uh, healing ra- rather rather quickly, and I was able to, with with a good physical therapist. I was able to get back on my feet. That same year, and continue marathon running,
0: okay, no, wait a minute, so you didn't quit
1: I didn't you no, didn't I have
0: didn't one quit. bad experience uh somebody didn't say something unpleasant to you in the church, and you quit
1: right <laughs> exactly right
3: okay, yeah
1: and what another another I didn't quit was when i i finished I finished one year, I finished the Boston Marathon, and I had a heart attack at the finish line mm. and, the, and, and my revenge marathon was the following year. I said I'm coming back, so I was able to come back, come back and finish one more. That was my 19th marathon. I said I want to finish 20 Boston, so I did. <laughs>
0: How old were you when glad. you had that heart attack at the end of the? Oh, uh... I was
1: in my, I was in my 50s, I believe. Yeah, I think I
0: remembered uh, something in your book about maybe about 58.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be about right. Yeah, that would be about right.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, that's getting up there. Most people are. Uh, couch potatoes by that time.
1: Right, exactly.
0: So, even with the heart attack, you were not willing to give up. No, I didn't. So, I, why I was, is it I, that so many professing Christians have a little uh, trouble sometimes? Somebody spoke, where it wasn't very nice to them, or the pastor didn't tell them what they wanted to hear. Uh, Something just uh, interrupted their their run, and they just quit. I'm not going to do this anymore.
3: I
1: quit. I, I, for the life of me, I can't believe why, why anybody would, would give up their, their walk with God. It, it's beyond me.
0: Well, it, yet the Apostle Paul says that it's going to be so, that is going to be the norm as we approach uh, the second coming of Jesus Christ. That there's going to be a massive falling away as people okay. quit. I
1: guess it's not it's not surprising mm. what, what's happening right now. Yep.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, your book certainly has inspired me, even though I wasn't into distance running. So
1: you going to run an ultra?
0: No, I'm not going to make that effort <laughs> because I know God made me fast, but he didn't make me fast to run a marathon. <laughs> yeah, right. But when I run, I feel his pleasure, so I do what okay. he calls me to do. And right now, even what I'm doing here on the air for the past 26 years, I've been running a 26-mile Boston Marathon on the air. Exactly. 26 exactly. years on the air after leaving the practice of law at the there height of my career. There you go. See? So yep. the running affects the the idea, the mind, the heart set that goes with running a race goes with every aspect of our lives doesn't it
1: right god's created us three in one so we, you know you got to have all those things in balance and you got to keep them in balance or you're going to really you're going to fail so that's so what i i do I, I think about that i said okay i got to keep my running in balance i got to keep my my heart rate in balance i got to keep mm-hmm. my muscle my muscles in tone i've got to keep my my myself spiritually fed with the, with the Word of God and and, and, and being inspired by, by people that, that have um, you know inspirational uh, words for for us.
0: Well, if you're going to compete in uh, that kind of a race, you better uh, be eating properly. you better right. be taking care of the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, yep. and yet so many Christians are not doing that. So many Christians do not take care of their bodies, do not take care of the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so in a sense, they're actually daring God to bring them to quit. Right. Yep. It's it's kind of amazing. I, I see so many applications here, and uh, which which makes me eternally grateful for the experience that God gave me starting in junior high school with track and field that inspired, actually it started when I was 10 years old. When I heard uh, on the radio the race of John Landy, Uh, he had done, at that time, one of the best miles ever. And uh, it so caught my attention when I was 10 years of age that from that time on, both my brother and I uh, would find ways to create races to run and competitions, even running around the block. And uh, Mm -hmm. it continued to affect our lives uh, continually to this very day. But when you you were running, what's that?
1: Does your brother still run?
0: That I don't know, and I can't still run because I had a hip replacement, and they tell me I can't run anymore, but I'm still lifting weights, so I'm doing what I can do with what I have. But you faced in those 19 races in the Boston Marathon a famous or infamous hill called Heartbreak Hill. What's that all about?
1: Heartbreak Hill comes at a, at a very difficult point in the race. The, the Boston race is a very difficult race in, in that most of it is downhill. I mean, it's, it's a, it, it's not, it's not a qualifier for any world record because it's the, the the slope generally, uh, uh, equals a down, a downhill race Mm -hmm. and running downhill is not, would not be Setting any world record, because so what? What he, must uh, come? What goes setting. down
0: must come up, though, huh?
1: Exactly. So <laughs> in in Har- so you're 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 charging down uh, the for the first uh, about fifteen miles downhill, keeping a keeping a pretty quick pace and thing thinking, think, oh boy, things are going really great, and then you then you start hitting the hills of Hoppington, or the hills in in um, Wellesley, the Wellesley Hills. Mm. And then, then, and there, and that's about three or four miles of uphill Wow! and, and it, it, it can, at that point in the race, if you've already taken money out of the bank, uh, you're going to pay the price. Mm. So you, you have to pace yourself properly to get, when you get to heartbreak to, to finish that uphill climb. And then the last, the last, maybe three, four miles is, is downhill to the finish. So that it's a deceiving part of the race that can that can fool a lot of people and they and they often uh, get burned out before the time before they get up to the top of Heartbreak Hill. And that's why they call it Heartbreak Hill, because it comes at that one point. Not that not that it breaks your heart, that well maybe it does if you drop out or something. Right. So but um Well I think an awful he,
0: lot of professing Christians hit a place called Heartbreak Hill and right. uh you know they hit it and they're tempted to give up uh many do give up many fall away uh many pursue other endeavors uh yes. easier routes and right. uh it breaks the heart of god when they don't uh, aren't successful and victorious uh, at heartbreak hill yeah
1: i think probably what happened with with me is running uh the love of running took over, took over so strongly in my life and, mm-hmm. in, in, in competing and, and going for that, 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 that one more mile, that, that one more, one more ultra, one more marathon.
3: Mm.
1: It got, finally said, okay, well, I've, I've told you to slow down. Now I'm going to tell you, I'm going to make it so that you're going to, you're, you aren't going to run again.
3: <laughs> and when I had
1: my stroke, when mm-hmm. I had my stroke, that was, that was it. When, when I walked in the doctor's office and he says, you know, you've had a, you've had a couple of strokes. And he said to me, you're never going to run again. Mm. And I thought to myself, oh, come on, I've heard this before. You're going to tell, tell a marathon runner he's never going to run again. That's, that's, you know That's not going to happen. But it did. And, well, what do you so, do?
0: Here's the question. What do you do when you yeah. can't run again? That's the question. And we're going to talk about you. that. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about that when we get back. Life right. isn't over. The race still goes on. We'll be right right back, friends. The book, Brooks Running, $18 to put this funder for book in your hands.
2: Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive 1st century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: There comes a time in the sports world when your ability to compete, as usual, uh, wanes and then you have to make a choice. Do I just completely drop out, or is there something more redemptive for me to get involved with? I remember uh, when I was uh, teaching, when my friend here on the air with me today was in Korea, I was teaching. In fact, uh, he was in Korea. He didn't go to Vietnam. I was teaching math and didn't go to Vietnam for the very same reason, and so, For four years, I taught uh, math and uh, then when I went to law school, they changed my assignment and I was very fortunate to be given the opportunity to coach. And so I became a physical education teacher and then also a coach. I coached track and field and I coached cross country and it was thrilling. It was not only just thrilling for me, it was thrilling for our students. And it was thrilling for our entire school district and the entire area because we developed huge competitions for the students. It was a great time. Coaching. I love coaching. In fact, that's what we're doing right here on Viewpoint today. Coaching. Coaching you to go for the gold and not give up. Our special guest today with his book, Brooks Running, which, by the way, you need to get a copy of it to encourage your soul. Uh, $18. dollars will put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. But you indicated before the break uh, greg that uh, when you were no longer permitted to run you began to do something else what was that
1: well i tried to keep my always you know i'm i'm a busy busy guy i, I always got to be busy doing stuff and, and mm-hmm. i had been coaching <laughs> excuse me I had I had coached cross, high school cross country for for a number of years for about twelve years. I loved I loved coaching. I mm-hmm. loved especially coaching the young people. Yeah, and, uh, and at that point I was deep into my Christian faith, and uh, it was it was uh, rewarding to me to see these young people develop uh, to love to to enjoy running as much as I did, and that that was my whole goal was to help them to to not, not to, you know, not to hate running, but to love, to love running and Mm -hmm. to love, love being with other runners.
0: By the way, did you know that Jim Ryan that we talked about, the famous Ryan, uh, uh, Myler, uh, actually now has a coaching clinic, uh, that he runs, uh, continually, uh, to assist others. He mentors them, encourages them, and tries to transmit uh, spiritual truth to them in the context of coaching running
1: is he still
0: in Kansas uh you know i think he is he he actually ended up becoming a congressman from Kansas for a while yes
1: yes that's yeah, right yeah, yeah he was he was in in yeah, in,
0: yeah. A, a, a wonderful fellow well there is a mountain but, there is a famous mountain uh in fact a whole book has been uh, written about it called the snows of kilimanjaro uh which was called the house of god it's the ceiling of Africa, the highest mountain in Africa, I think it's 19,000 some feet.
1: 19,340. Yep. Yeah. So
0: 19,340 feet, which is, uh, up there in rarefied air, uh, Mm -hmm. right in the center of Africa. And you actually set a goal for a race to the top of Kilimanjaro. Tell us about it.
1: Well, it, it really wasn't a race, but because the, the guides will tell you. You know, you, you we we had this chant while we're climbing, called "poli poli," which means in Swahili "slowly, slowly." Yeah. So we 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 conserved our energy, and, and especially when we we're preparing to, it was about a six-day climb just to get up to the top. Mm-hmm. But during those six days, you you acclimated to the high high elevation, and you're able to to uh, uh, your your brain didn't get fried when you got when you got up to the mm-hmm, rarefied air. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I know what this is runners. like because
0: I spent a long time, many years of my life climbing, and okay. uh, one of the things that uh, was most devastating is what they call mountain sickness or altitude mm-hmm. sickness, yep. uh, where you don't acclimate, uh, you don't take the time to acclimate, and all of a sudden it hits you and you become deathly ill and you can't even function so uh, you're absolutely right in order to be able to climb Kilimanjaro uh, it, it's not about the speed with which you climb it it's that you do climb it and get to the top
1: yes correct that's and that's that was our goal and we figured that being marathon runners we were going to be able to, to, to do this no sweat oh yeah we'll just go up there and we can <laughs> we can we can take we can, we're, you know we got strong lungs we can do up ball. You know that doesn't that isn't what what it's all about. When you get in thin air, you you need to have uh, the acclim the, the your body to be able to acclimate to acclimate to the mm-hmm. to the uh, uh, the ability to process your body has to process that air in a different differently than than just you know yeah. at, at sea level.
0: Well, interestingly, the success rate there climbing Kilimanjaro is what about fifty percent? About
1: fifty percent. 50, mm. yeah that, that would be about right mm. you know I mean actually I did see somebody that had died on on the on the on the on the climb when we were when we were descending from from the peak mm. we came up we we came upon a body on the trail and and it was an American it was our age age 58 or 57 or 58 or something that mm-hmm. had died. I said, oh, man, this is not good, because everybody in Rochester knew I was climbing that that same day. They would think it was you. America. (laughs) Oh, America died. (laughs) Wow. Of course I did.
0: You know, a lot of people uh, think, they get this idea into their head, they're born again, so they come to Christ, and all of a sudden they're off like gangbusters, and they think that they should be climbing a spiritual Mount Kilimanjaro, the first year. Oh. They think they should, you know, they're they're encouraged to get in there and just...
1: Go to uh, Bible school, preach the word, and go out and get it. Yeah,
0: yeah. you, you got to go for it. The, the problem is they're not acclimated. And right. many of those people fall away eventually, especially people who are of renown, famous people, sports figures, uh, entertainment figures. They're immediately thrown out there like wolves, uh, to be gobbled up, and uh, pastors will use them, and they're not ready. They're not acclimated. They're not spiritually right. prepared, and uh, they fall away.
1: Immature, immature
0: Christians,
3: we mm. call them, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So what would you say to the average uh, listener here today who probably uh, has not been... Into the field of uh, track and field, uh, but maybe had some experience there or in some other sports realm, what would you say to them today uh, of encouragement uh, that life has taught you through your many 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 not only marathons but ultra marathons right
1: I think prepara- that, what we talked about the preparation is is key you know being being trained up to get to get to to get to the top of the mountain, to get to the end of the of the 5K, to get to the end of the 10K, to get to the end of the marathon, whatever it is, but you have to be prepared uh, physically and also mentally, because you, like I said before, the the running the races are are as much mental as it is as it, it is physical.
0: You know, so I've often like, said, uh,
1: uh, Greg, that uh,
0: physical preparation is very much a part of spiritual preparation, because people that are physically lazy tend to be spiritually lazy too.
3: Hmm. Interesting,
1: interesting. I, yeah, they know, do. I, but I, I, I enjoy working with people, and I, I really, I take a great joy in in people that are uh, listen listen to the coach and uh, to follow follow his direction to get to get to the finish line and. And to see somebody that they have trained for a whole year to run a marathon to get to the finish line and being there with them when they cross the finish line to to, to reach that goal, it's 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 just um, wonderful to see that.
0: Well, and then to bring up, uh, again, remind us of that phrase from Eric Little from Chariots of Fire. When uh, he spoke to his sister who tried to get him She was a very spiritually-minded person, and she knew her brother was as well. She felt that he was called to be a missionary to Africa, and here he was running. And she couldn't understand it. She couldn't get it into her mind, in her heart, that his running had anything to do with the kingdom of God. And so she was basically kind of almost pleading with him and arguing with him. And his response to her was, Jenny, God gave me a purpose. And he made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Right. When I hear those words, it it sends tingles up and down my spine. What does it do to you?
1: Same thing. I mean, I'm, I, I, I realize now as I get, as I'm getting older, that, that God has called me into this, this position to, to, to serve him in this way. And I, I, um, I realize that there is purpose to to serving God and purpose to everything that I've been through in my life, mm. whether it's the ups and the downs or whatever. Mm-hmm. But he's, prepared, he's prepared me for this time of, of my life.
0: And all of those experiences that you've had, yep. Uh, yep. preparing, uh, even uh, falling because of the uh, torn hamstring, yep. uh, all of those things, the temptations. To give up, and there are temptations they say uh, that there comes a place in time when you're running a distance that you hit what they call the wall yes what is what is that wall
1: the wa- the wall is 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 the point in the race, and I, it doesn't necessarily have to be a marathon, but it it does uh, occur most often in the marathon because it's a longer distance but mm-hmm. when you've when you 've totally depleted you've taken enough uh, money out of the bank and you've got nothing, nothing left. You're broke. You're, you're physically broke.
3: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't have, and then the, the mind says, you know, now, now I'm, now I'm really shot. I can't go on any further. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you just give up.
0: So how do you, you press know? through that wall? Because this is, this has a tremendous spiritual implication for us. How do you press well, through the wall?
1: I don't know. I think, I think you get they got they have, what, what is called a second wind? You, uh-huh. you're, you're a coach. You, you know what I'm talking right? about. Yeah, a second wind would come and and just kind of give you that that last little bit of of energy. And it, it even happens in an ultra marathon. But uh, in the last, um, I don't know, maybe if we were, if were talking about 100 miles, in the last 10 miles, all of a sudden it's almost supernatural. You get this mm-hmm. this kind of adrenaline surge that comes through you that allows you to finish the, finish the race.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems the Apostle Paul must have had that. He went through all kinds of problems running the marathon of his life. And, uh, I mean, he had every reason to quit. He, he faced many walls. And then yes, at the end of the race, he said, you know what? I've finished the course. I've mm-hmm. kept the faith. And so there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness that the Lord has reserved for them that love him. And uh, to me, that is the ultimate reward. And it's not for somebody who's passive. God is not calling us to be passive. To run a race requires that we do something, doesn't it? Right. Yes, Yes. we're saved by grace through faith, but we are to run the race that is set before us and not give up. And uh, I appreciate so much, uh, Greg, your book, And the encouragement that you've given us. And uh, again, friends, the book, an $18 book, on our website, saveus.org. It's called Brooks Running. Brooks Running. And uh, I hope you'll encourage yourself with the book. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. And be sure uh, to come on board and become a partner with us. Help us to run this race together. Let's run this race together. Let's pass the baton together to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour. God bless. Be a blessing. And remember, God made you fast. That is, fast enough to run the race he's given you to run.
2: You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners.
0: Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.